Amen. I'd like to introduce um, this morning's guest teacher. He's a huge ham. Thanks for having me. Uh, thanks for having me back over and over again. I'm, oh, God. Don't clap. You have, nope, nope. You don't know what I planned yet. And you might come to the end of the service and be like, oh, I'd like to take that applause back. Uh, Palm Sunday. Welcome to Palm Sunday. Now, before I, this is not, this is just, just you know, you don't have to raise your hand, but in your own mind, raise your hand or not, or, or don't. Uh, did you know it was Palm Sunday before I said it? Okay, good. Like, I think, like, it's, it's interesting to me. It really is interesting to me, the, the way, for a lot of us, because I don't come from, like, my, my religious tradition, my roots are young life. Like, like, I was parachurch, and I've come into it, to it, in, like, institutional church setting kind of by default. Like, I wasn't raised around it. Is there anybody else with me? And so the idea of, like, there being, like, a church calendar, it was weird for the longest time. I was like, there were certain things that happened at certain times. But can we get honest about something else? Like, the older I get, the more I'm held together by and really comforted by the church calendar. But the fact that because life really does actually happen in seasons, and maybe there's something to, like, being held together by in my own psychology, like these broader, larger seasons, so I don't just feel like my life is in chaos. But no, actually, there's this whole season in life where like, or maybe even every year, where like, I just can't seem to get a whole lot done. Anybody with me? And then there are times when like, I've just got just crap tons of energy for whatever it is. There's just seasons in life. And this season, this sort of holy season of time when we get to actually slow down, Pause, because, right, that's winter's supposed to be the slowdown time, right? But then we got Christmas, and we decided we're going to buy all kinds of crap we didn't need. Uh, so that doesn't get to slow. We don't get slow. But, like, this, this week, like, right now, like, maybe you didn't do Lent. You might not have done Lent. You might not have. We have this great opportunity, this whole 40-day stretch, to slow down, stop, pay attention, to listen to my own body, listen to my neighborhood, listen to the news differently. Come on, somebody say amen. Uh, listen to and for the voice of Jesus in my heart, in my life, in the world. Like, we get this whole, like, hey, that's what, that's what Lent is for. Let's, let's, you, you might not have gotten there. So here's what I would say. It's it, Palm Sunday. And we have this thing called Holy Week. So if you haven't gotten here yet, I'm going to call you to it now. Take the week. Slow down. Consider a fast this week. I haven't even gotten to the sermon yet. I'm just, I'm just, I'm preaching already. I'm, this is the sermon before the Consider a fast. Take two hours a week, or take two hours a day off your, uh, off your screen time. Right? Something like that. Decide not to eat lunch. Pull something out of your week. Because you can't make more time. Can I get any money? Any man? Right? right? You, can't, you can't make more time. You can't create more time. You also can't create more space. Anybody got kids? Right? You can't create more space. No, no, no. Like, you can't go find it. So you have to actually pull things out that are there and in the way of that. That's the way we do that. That's what fasting is for. I, can't, I, I don't have any more room in my brain. Right? I don't have any more time. But what I can do is I can take things away that are taking up space and time in my brain, my heart, my soul. That's what a fact. Consider doing that this week. And listening. 
which actually gets to the thing I'm going to be saying later on. Man, is it important for us as believers, not just individually, but communally, to actually be paying attention to what the Lord Jesus Christ is up to saying in our hearts, minds, souls, neighborhoods. Like, man, that's so important. Like, you need it for you. Can I get an amen? You know who else needs it for you? The people sitting next to you. I need you to hear Jesus, too. Uh, Palm Sunday. There he is. Uh, Riding in on a donkey. What you can't see, although, as I started to settle in, uh, as I was prepping this, is uh, you can see see the watermark on that image because I stole that from the internet. It's like, you thought you hired a professional. Uh, I just stole that. So I was like, well, let's try to find an image without a watermark. And that was that. There's that one. And it's sort of like, it's a little bit more fancy. But if we're going to go fancy, then let's go real fancy. And let's add a splash of color to that. It's Jesus coming in on the donkey. But this one obviously has the watermark on it too. I was like, dang it. Like, I can't, I can't just find a free image that works. And then I was searching for, for, you know, images that work. The Jesus riding in on the donkey here on Palm Sunday. You know, we found this one was Jesus on a donkey, the donkey on a horse. I don't know what's going on here theologically, but I want to. Like, I want, like, I want, like, what is, what kind of, what kind of meditation is this? Like, Lord, what do you? But this is that day. This is the day. This is the day. And we're going to read the, the triumphal entry. This is Jesus showing up on a donkey the way it was expected. This is the way it was expected. It was expected that the Messiah would show up and ride in on this particular animal, which is what Jesus does. This is what he does. We have this expectation. By the way, and this is why I'm starting this way, how often does that happen where you have this really specific expectation of God and God's like, boom? Right? Not very often. And if that happens all the time for you, talk to me after the service. (laughs) But here's a super specific expectation. That can be great. It can also be really, really dangerous. So he shows up on this donkey. He shows up riding down on on this donkey. And this expectation that people had, part of why this is really, how should I say, Part of why this ends up dangerous for us socially and theologically is because sometimes, and I think you go with me on this, sometimes when, when, our expe- when our expectations are met, either by someone or theologically if so, or by, by God, we stop thinking. We stop searching. We feel like, like God's met my expectation. We've come to, like we've come to some sort of an end, which, is ends, which ends up kind of what's, what happens in this story, right? Is that like, the people kind of stopped thinking. And then end up really disappointed. One of the things we do when, we like, when, when we're expecting God to constantly meet our expectations is we end up disappointed. So as I was prepping this and I was like looking through and I kept <laughs> looking for images of Jesus on a donkey, it really did strike me that like I, I'm not super concerned with, how should I say this? I'm not super concerned with, the, with, with, the, with just kind of retelling this story on Palm Sunday. Because that is what is expected. It's to just do a teaching on Jesus and the triumphal entry. As a teacher, as a person, and I'm just talking to you as a friend right now. As a teacher, as someone who does what I do, um, like there are certain places where I feel way more connected. This is one of those places. Uh, I don't want to just teach because I can teach. I want to teach as a way to love well. 
And so uh, a little bit of a glimpse into why I do what I do before I d dive all the way in is like this image right here is the better image. This is actually where I want to start. This is where I come to you. Uh, this is the angle I come to you from. I use visuals and I talk. This is what I do with a sermon. But it's not about the visuals. It's not about the story I'm going to say. And this is going to get kind of dicey here for a second. It's not about what I have to say about the Bible. Let me say that again real quick. What I do up front is not about what I have to say about the Bible. It's about what's in you. And the stories I tell, the teaching I do, whatever I do up here, it's like it's this combination of words and images that is intended to somehow unpack this, like, whatever it is, casing that gets around our souls. Anybody with me so far? You guys got me? The stuff that kind of keeps me from hearing what's actually going on in my soul. So as an author, as a musician, as a pastor, teacher guy, here's what, here's what I used to believe. I used to believe that that thing up there at the top that I recognize as a tool, I used to call that content. That what I'm about to do for the next few minutes when I talk and tell stories, that that's content. That when I write a book, I'm making content. When I write a song, I'm creating content. I'm not. I'm creating tools. You know what the content is? The content is that Jesus Christ, Lord of all, lives in you. Somebody say amen. amen. That's content. The content is that Jesus Christ, Lord of all, the one who holds all things together, the one through whom all things were made, the one who holds all things together, the one to, by whom and to whom all things are being reconciled, lives in you, among you, and binds this community together. That's content. And my hope in doing what I do is that I can unpack the, the stuff that keeps us from hearing, seeing what Jesus Christ is actually up to in, through, and among you. Can I get an amen? This is my goal. This is what I want to do. And I, I think and I hope that that's part of why you show up too. You don't need another sermon from me. God, I don't know if you need another sermon from anybody. That's not what you need. What you need is what I need. I need to know what God is saying to me. I need to hear the Lord. You don't need to hear me. You need to hear the Lord. Somebody say amen. Um, so let's, can we do a thing for a few minutes? Will you join me in here for a minute? That, 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 that's the part where like, you know I can see you and that I'm like, like <laughs> it's like I don't, I don't do the thing where I'm on a big screen in a uh, in an arena or something like that. That's weird as hell. I just, I don't know what that's about. But I'm like, I'm here in the room with you. So will you enter into this space with me for a little bit? So I know this is a thing you've done uh, an, a few times, and I know, I, I think Matt might have even done this last week, where we're going to get into a text together for a little bit. Uh, it's a practice called Lectio Divina. You guys familiar with the term? So, so uh, there are a bunch of ways to, to, to get into the, 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 the use and be around the Bible. One of which is like, I'm going to read and then I'm going to tell you what I think, which I may get around to in a little while. But again, that's not really what I'm fired up about. What I'm fired up about is what Jesus Christ is doing here. In fact, if Jesus isn't up to anything here, it doesn't matter what I do. Come on now. So I'm going to read this text uh, a couple times, probably twice, maybe three times, depending on how it feels. And what I want you to do is, is the first time I read it, you're just going to listen. And then I'll take a little breath. And the second time I read it, this is, I think, how Matt did it last week, is uh, you're going to pay attention to like a word or a phrase or something that sticks out. And then, depending on how we're feeling, uh, like we may go through it a third time and might have a little bit of a conversation about what you're hearing. 
and I'm just going to say it, like, what you're going to be hearing won't necessarily just be a thing that's, like, in the Bible. Because it's not, watch out, Justin, it's not what's in the Bible that matters to me, it's what's in you that matters to me. I think that's what God's up to as well. God's not trying to get the Bible in your mind. God's not trying to get words and memorization happening up here. God's not trying to get the Bible in your soul. God's trying to rescue your soul, save your soul, have a relationship with you. It's what's happening in here that matters. So as you pay attention, as you hear the text, let's listen to our own souls and the conversation to God within us. Can I get an amen? amen? All right. Now when they drew near Jerusalem to, and I can't say the name of, I don't know this town. Uh, I've, I've heard Beth Page. We'll talk about that later. Uh, to Burlingame and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Lose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, Why are you, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them just as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he looked around at all things as the hour was getting late he went out to Bethany with the twelve as I read through it the second time pay attention is there something that jumps out at you is there a phrase, is there a word is there a question that pops up in your heart your mind as you read the text there's something in between the lines what happens in you as you hear this story read aloud. Now, when they drew near Jerusalem to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples and he said to them, go into the village opposite you and as soon as you have entered it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street and they loosed it but some of those stood there said to them why what are you doing loosing the colt and they spoke to them just as jesus had commanded so they let them go and then they brought the colt to jesus and threw their clothes on it and he sat on it and many spread their clothes on the road and others cut down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. 
And Jesus went went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Sit there for a moment. If something popped up in your mind, capture it. Instead of as we often do, as those thoughts come floating by, we kind of let them scoot by. Like, what, what happened? Don't try to interpret it yet. Don't try to like, figure out what exactly what it means. What jumped out at you? What was the word? What was the phrase? What was the question? One more time. Now, when they drew, new, drew near Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples. And he said to them, go into the village opposite you, and as soon as you have entered it, you'll find a colt tied on which no one has sat. Loose it and bring it. And if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And immediately he will send it here. So they went their way and found the colt tied by the door outside on the street, and they loosed it. But some of those who stood there said to them, what are you doing loosing the colt? And they spoke to them as Jesus had commanded, so they let them go. Then they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their clothes on it. And he sat on it, and many spread their clothes on the road, and others cut down down leafy branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then those who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of our father David that comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And Jesus went into Jerusalem and into the temple. So when he had looked around at all things, as the hour was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Physically, with me, right now, take a deep breath. And blow it out. Hi. What did you hear? What did you see? Was there a word? Was there a phrase? Was there a question that popped in your mind? Was there a recognition? What happened in you as we read through that three times? Anybody can go. We're going to have a contact. One and then two. Your name one more time. Christine. Hi, Christine. Go ahead. Um, that Jesus told them what was going to happen before it happened. And then as they got there, things went and said, and said, and Yeah. Good. That's very good. Yes. Right. No, I no, I completely, I actually completely agree. It's part of what like those images for me as I'm flipping through. It's like they're all. That's why I went to the goop because it's goofy. Like it's just a tiny little animal as a grown man on this tiny little animal. Like, yeah, I I agree. And we can draw all kinds of stuff out of that. But like, that's a like, what is that? What else? What was, what was in your head? Over here. What? Um, well, first of all, what happened to me was that they got a little deeper each time. Okay. But I was thinking the third time, I think we substitute the cult, like going to get the cult and making it with following Jesus. And Jesus' command to the supplies, Jesus has need of it. Hmm. If you substitute that every time with following Jesus, Hmm. It's like it's a really simple, it simplifies it. It's easy, like, go to somebody, go to the front opposite of you. So maybe they have the opposite of you. 
Someone that doesn't understand. Hmm. Yeah. And they wonder why you're going to church. Why are you following Jesus? Hmm. And then you just say, Jesus has me with it. And then <laughs> they say, they let, them on, they let you on your way. It's That's good. I like that. Yes. Um, Mm-hmm. And here Jesus, who is the king, he had all the power to like use a jet or the most expensive mode of charges. Mm-hmm. But because he was humble, he humbled himself and he, 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 he I mean, he used, I mean, he, he, he used very simple ways. He humbled himself and he, he simplified himself. Yeah. Or he was very angry or worried. Yeah. So um, uh, that's why he sent his disciples to go and get the cross. Something out of nothing that we, yeah. we could think of. That's good. We could think of high things, but here he's so humble. I love that. And he went for this simple animal. Yeah. Uh, to show people that God can work in so many ways with this I love that. That's really good. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna come here and then go over there. I when uh, when I think about this and I think about the goofiness of the thing, I think about my uh, I got a friend who moved to Los Angeles a bunch of years ago to write songs for like pop stars and country stars, and like it went really well. And he like he got all these the contracts, all these like when we hang out, he used to live in Concord, Concord of all places. Uh, which is why I grew up. Uh, and uh, so Concord's like the Nazareth of the East Bay. <laughs> like, what good comes from... Uh, so Mike came from Concord. So then he got this contract, and he wrote, he, got, he wrote like half of this Kelly Clarkson record. He wrote a bunch of songs with Pink and like the Keith Urban, all these like massive stars. And I hadn't seen him for a couple years, and, uh, and I was in Los Angeles, and he's like, hey, dude, I'll come pick you up. I was like, great. When we used to hang out, he used to, dri- he used to drive this Ford Fiesta, it was like a, like an 82 Ford Fiesta, this little red, little red Ford Fiesta. It was like the size of three of these chairs. And when he came and picked me up from the hotel, he pulled up in his, in his red Ford Fiesta. Was like, and I was like, yeah, dude. And it was very like, it was this very Jesus-y moment. He's like, I am who I am. And that was like, that's the character of the Lord. Like, I think, I don't think he, I don't think Jesus does it for effect. I think he's like, this is who I am. Like, this is how I roll. You, there was here, and then I think there, and then there. Go. And I'm really touched by the exposed people on the porch. Yeah. I've always thought that it was just a calm street, but I've never been that beautiful reverence. Um, yeah. I'm so touched that there was even something closed out. And over the course of time, and tradition sort of simplifies that. I mean, it's different if it's like pants Sunday, like, um, or jacket Sunday, or something like that. But yes, it's like there's this moment where like people like took the clothes from their own bodies and set them on the cold on the ground. There's the very personal connection. That's good. And then I, I think I was going here and then there. Yes. Uh, what struck me was the amount of each of the, the preparation, hmm. the words spoken, and what struck me was that whoever 
owned that colt was prepared in advance to let that colt go. Ooh. And when I think about that, I think about the, the deeds that God has prepared, the good deeds yeah. that God has prepared for each one of us. That's good. In advance, and that keep your eyes open to be alert because that's good. That's really good. The 12. Go ahead. The 12 in that means that all that Hmm. Like they stayed together. Like when, he, when he's all done and all the fanfare, he and his, he and his group are like, yeah, that's my fam. It's good. And then there was, I think there was one over here. Yes? So for the folks who did, over the course of time, embrace Jesus, they're even in the moment historically, like, like what was it that helped them to move away from like expecting this massive political takeover to be like, I'm with the guy on the donkey. That's good. A couple more? Yes. And then back. When I hear this passage, I'm always reminded of when I was in third grade and assigned to be the live reporter on the me with the story at Sister Rosalie. Like, it was just like, is this is like, a, that's a full-blown, like, that's a real nun story. It's his Sister Rosalie. Was, that's super good. Yes? Uh, last year, during this time, I was introduced to a poem. Um, the title is Untie the Colt. Hmm. And while I don't remember the poem, I remember the message from me hmm. was to, to pay attention and yeah. Do what what I personally need to do to free up Jesus and yeah. the the way the way is leading. That's good. I like that. So for me, um, I'll just do, do a couple minutes of like the stuff that's in my head because it ring it's rhyme. I'm going to pull together a few things that I'm hearing. Um, this sort of like the, the, the sort of the set stage like this is this is like the beginning the, the big public moment for Jesus and th- and so it's 
it's the, the, it's the obedience of the disciples to do what he was asked. It, it's the fact that he enters in humility. It's, and it's the expectations, which ends up being a lot of what Palm Sunday uh, kind of goes to for us, is our, our expectations. And um, I think what I want to do is jump to this. Um, right here. That, this is one of my favorites, but from, from my internet search. Uh, that's a great Jesus on a donkey right there. Um, the, the expectation that so many were disappointed in, like you pointed out, like, the, like he came in. And again, these are things we've heard a lot. Like people expected this, this very specific thing. And Jesus meets us like right there in like an aspect of that expectation. I'm going to show up on a, on a cult. This is the Messiah. But what we know also, and we've heard it a lot, is that the expectation was this, <clears throat> this big movement that the Messiah was going to come in, there was going to be this kind of big push, this political takeover, Rome was going to be overthrown, there's going to be this massive... And what ends up happening, even over the next... It wasn't just like the next like, couple weeks, it was the next few days, because Jesus ends up in the temple. You remember what happens in the temple? Like, that's not where the overthrow was supposed to happen. Someone want to say amen? Like, it wasn't supposed to be the temple... But that's where Jesus, he didn't go to the place of political power. He went to, the, like, to like centralized religious power and turned over tables. Like that was confounding for folks. It was very confusing. It disappointed expectation. Even within the few moments of, uh, you know, like within a couple days of them being there, Jesus like comes upon, he's, he's with the disciples. He comes upon this, um, so, uh, uh, was it like a fig tree? And the fig tree out of season, by the way, it's out of season. This scripture confounds me. Out of season, Jesus comes up to the fig tree. There are no figs, and he's like, cursed. And then the fig tree's like, and dies. And then the next day, they come back around, and Peter's like, the fig tree's dead. And then Jesus does this teaching around the fig tree. It was just a straight, like, what on earth is happening? What kind of Messiah is this? Who, like, curses fig trees for not bearing fruit out of season? Who goes to the temple and turns over tables? Like, what, what, is, like, what is happening here? And it becomes cliche, right? The whole turning over of tables and the disappointment uh, of uh, expectations. It becomes cliche until, watch me say it, until our, dis- until our expectations are disappointed. Someone want to say amen? Because there are things we thought he was going to do. Um, and I want to point out, I want to like, go to this as a thing I wrote down, that, like, um, that we set the stage... But oftentimes the stage we set is not for the real Christ, right? And it's okay to have expectations. It's okay, more than okay, to have particular interpretations. But we, like, first, we want to hold those things loosely. More than that, um, I want to go to, not that one. That, like, the difference between disappointment or delusion or, and, or disillusionment, just kind of like be so disappointed in who God is that we kind of quit, uh, versus something more like opportunity to grow, to like step in, is uh, it often begins with knowing what I really know. Like, what, do I, what, do I, what have I really heard? Because is it, it, was it the case that he, that he showed up on the donkey and then disappointed all the prophecy from before? Or was it there was a whole lot of interpretation, a whole lot of extrapolation around the one thing? Because that tends to be the way it goes, right? 
there's like one thing we have our we get our heads around, and then we build kind of a legend around that one thing. Anyone want to go with me on this? So I've told this story a couple times. Um, I'll tell two stories, and then we'll wrap up. Can we do this real quick? Two stories. So um, some of you have heard me tell tell the story. Uh, this is a bunch of years ago. I was skiing with some friends. And uh, over the course of the day we were skiing, they, uh, the, like in the little village at the foot of the hill, they built this stage. Like they set up a stage, a little bit bigger than this stage. It was, it was like one of those portable stages, but it was like a pretty good, big professional stage. And, and like people were kind of, kind of buzzing about like, oh, what's going on in the stage? You know, I don't know. Like, what's, who's going to be here? So I have no idea. And, uh, and, and about lunchtime, they they'd, you know, almost finished the whole stage. And, and like during like kind of the lunch hour, we're sitting in the ski lodge and, and people are like talking, like what's going on on the stage? And someone says the word Beastie Boys. Someone says, now you might not know who the Beastie Boys were. They were a hip hop group. Uh, doesn't matter really. I was a huge fan at the time. So, uh, so they're this very, very popular band. Uh, the kids were into it. And, uh, and like, so like, Cats like me were like really, really stoked at, because we heard this, the, the Beastie Boys. And then it was like, at, like, it took like 20 minutes. Like one person at the table said something about the Beastie Boys. And like, and by the time everyone was leaving the lodge, the Beastie Boys were showing up at 7.30. So like as the day kind of progressed, and that was, yeah, it was like 7, 7.30. As the day progressed, like more and more people came, came off the hill kind of early to like get in position around the stage to be like close to the stage for when the Beastie Boys showed up that night at 7:30, so you want to get a bunch of like like white kids off a snowy mountain Beastie Boys. So uh, he's like, so like, and like dinner shows up and people like you know they're kind of having dinner and it's getting darker and colder and like six o'clock and the crowds really gather up around there and seven rolls up and it's starting to get loud and it's seven. 15, people start chanting, fired up, beastie boys, beastie boys, beastie boys, 720, just jumping, folks are stoked, they're playing, you know, the, you know, games, and, and then 730, beastie boys, any minute, beastie boys, and, and now here's the deal, there was a guy, there was a stagehand, this is my favorite moment in the whole story, there was a stagehand off to the side, and I remember seeing this guy, like, walk up behind, like, onto the, like, onto the stage in the back, and he, <laughs> he did this, like the crowd's just fired up, and it's like seven twenty-eight, right? There's seven thirty-eight. It's like eight minutes past seven thirty, and this stagehand like keeps poking his head out from, and then at one point he walks out, like almost seven forty, walks out, brings a mic stand, sets in the middle of the stage, and does this, and people are like, ah! like freaking, it's confirmation the Beastie Boys are coming. So seven forty-five, seven fifty, eight o'clock, no, nothing's happening because the Beastie Boys were never showing up. That was just some stuff someone said. Like, all we knew, they, they were never coming. The Beastie Boys were never showing up. There was never a plan. All anyone knew was that there was a stage set up. You see what I'm doing right now? And then we filled in the rest with all our expectations. And then it was all those expectations that were disappointed. Again, my favorite, favorite guy in the story was this guy, because he knew. And he was like, you guys, all right. <laughs> All we really knew was that there was a stage set up. But we rested our hopes in a really specific thing that was never actually promised to us. Can I say that again? 
All we really knew was that the stage was set. But we rested our hopes in promises that were never actually made to us. Hold our expectations loosely. Hold your interpretations loosely. Hold your hopes loosely. More so than that, know what has actually been promised to you. Can I get an amen? What has he really said? Which is why it's so freaking important for us to listen for what he's actually said. So you're not borrowing it from me. Don't borrow it from me. What's he said to you? Did you really hear it? Um, that's one way to go about it. What did God really say? Stage is set. Uh, sometimes the stage is set and our call is to wait for God to move. That's often the case. And that's, that's normally the teaching. That's where we land on the teaching. I want to push that further a little bit. And I want to say that sometimes the stage is set with an inflatable cactus. If you can possibly imagine, in high school, I was a loudmouth. I talked a lot. And I thought I was really, really funny. And I thought because I was funny, that was worth making available whenever I felt like it should be made available. During class, doesn't matter. So uh, I had this... uh, this, uh, teacher in speech class. I got in trouble in speech class for talking. <laughs> so uh, his name is Mr. Ross. And this story changed my life. Uh, and it continues to change my life. So I, w- I sat in the second row. And I don't remember what it was that I was talking about, what kind of joke I was telling at the time. But I remember Mr. Ross saying, Mr. McRoberts. <sighs> Been here before. Will you please come up? And so I get up and I Go grab my bags. He goes, you can leave your bags. I was like, oh, great. Like, leave my stuff. And I, like, he's going to hand me, here's how it goes. He's going to hand me the, like a slip. I'm going to go to the principal's office. And then I have to come back to get my stuff. Because what I like to do is, like, if I leave, I'm, like, I'm going to take my stuff, have a little time to myself. Uh, so he was like, you can leave your bags. Like, crap. So I walk up, and, I'm, and as I'm walking up to his, to his desk, where I expect him to stay and hand me a detention slip or whatever, he leaves his desk, and he walks uh, off to this closet. And there's this closet door in the corner of his uh, space uh, where he kept props and stuff, and he grabs this uh, inflated cactus and walks back out. And there's this little raised area where we do our speeches, and he says, Mr. McRoberts, will you come up here, please? He set the cactus down. And I was like, uh. And he turns around, and he puts his arm around me, and he says, all right, Justin. You like to be entertaining. You think you're pretty funny. I said, oh, yeah. He goes, great. The floor is yours. And walked off and sat down on my desk. And now I'm standing here with a freaking cactus. And I'm like, in my mind, it was like, this is, the shame, this is like the shame moment. Was the teacher shaming me, teaching me a lesson? But it's not what he was doing because he was a better teacher than that. And I was, I was, I was like, uh, he's like, go ahead. It's like, I, 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 I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't know. And the kid sat behind me, the kid I was joking with when, when I got in trouble. He was like, come on, dude. It just Pretend like you're in the desert. It's, a, it's just a cactus. And Mr. Ross said, no, it's not. It's whatever you make of it. 
No, it's not. Just a cactus. It's whatever you make of it. And that's changed everything for me. Because, yeah, sometimes God sets the stage, and then our job is to wait for God to make a move. But sometimes God sets the stage and nothing happens because it's our turn to make a move. Sometimes we're expecting us to show up and we don't know it. Can I get an amen? Part of what Jesus did with his time and his life, part of what was so confounding was that the revolution that people wanted was going to be something that someone did for them. And what Jesus did was start this very small movement in the hearts and the minds, the lives, the emotions, and the brains of a small group of people, and it set fire to the world over the course of millennia. Jesus said, I'm not going to do this for you. I'm going to set the stage, and then you get to make a whole lot of decisions about how this goes from now. I have a feeling um, that part of what uh, happens here uh, over the next few weeks, few months, few years, uh, will look a lot like that for you. That the stage is set, and there's some disappointment in what God was supposed to do, or what we thought God was going to do, or what it might have looked like, or should have looked like. Someone want to say amen. And now maybe there's a little bit of an empty stage. And I just want to deeply, deeply encourage you to pay real close attention to what it is you know of God. Because it's probably your turn to make some decisions, and I don't think he's going to drop a thing out of the sky for you. I'm talking to you as a friend. I don't think things, I don't think things just kind of come out of the sky for you in terms of what's next and who you are as a people coming forward. I think you get to make a bunch of decisions because he's done a really good work in you as a people. And that's the thing that propels next uh, for you. So pay attention. Over the next week, commit to it fast. Remove some stuff from your life that takes up time that you could spend actually paying attention, listening. Jesus, what do we really know? Because here's the thing you know you know. Uh, you are a beloved people. This is the thing you start from. This is the thing you know for sure. Let's start listening for some specifics as you have been. Let's continue to listen for some specifics. And then trust that it might just be your turn to get on stage and make what happens happen. Going next. Can I get an amen? Um, on the night that he was betrayed, uh, Jesus took the bread and he broke it. He said, this is my body uh, given for you. Eat this in remembrance of me in the same way he poured the cup and he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Drink this in remembrance of me. Over the course of the next uh, song or two, depending on how quickly you move to the table, it's really on you. Um, uh, we're going to come to the table and you can come up here and take uh, and then dip and 
uh, and eat and return to your seat. And as we do, um, as you move to the table, what's it going to look like over this holy week to sacrifice some space and some time uh, to listen, to pay attention, and put yourself in a position to hear the voice and the Spirit of Jesus speaking to you for your own life and on behalf of the people who sit next to you.